How to control real estate without getting a loan from the bank is the topic for today's episode. You are listening to the Champion Hustle Podcast. Play to succeed in business and in life. Featuring Levi Hunsaker and Ryan Black. Hello and welcome to the Champion Hustle Podcast. This is episode number 24. My name is Ryan Black. And my name is Levi Hunsaker. And we welcome you guys to today's episode. Levi, how you doing? I'm doing great, buddy. How is it going? Oh, I'm excited. Today's topic is, well, every week I'm excited. (laughs) But today in particular is a strategy that I'm really passionate about, and I know you are too. So super stoked to to dive into it. We always love these real estate episodes. Oh, man. We're kind of biased, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I don't care. I'm just going to own it. We're biased to real estate. Hey, we love hey, it. It puts food on the table, right? I mean, it's it is what it is. We love it, but we're passionate about it too. It's not just it's not just a business, not just a job. It is what we love doing. Uh, before we dive in, though, let's give our our listeners a quick reminder of our seven day quick start uh, boot camp. Right, championhustle.com. Absolutely. absolutely free. We got seven days of interactive training that we have prepared for you, and uh, so go to our website. And you'll see the banner there, throw in your name and your email. You can sign up for that and get some awesome additional exclusive training content from us to you at championhustle.com. So the topic of our little uh, podcast episode today is how to control real estate without getting a loan from the bank. I think it's interesting because so many people, they think that the only way to buy purchase real estate either for personal use or as an investment, is through the banks, right? But there are so many different ways. And today we're going to highlight a couple of our favorites of the strategies of how you can absolutely acquire real estate without dealing with a bank. Now, why, Levi, why would somebody want to go that route, right? I mean, isn't it just easier Plain devil's advocate here. Isn't it just easier going to the bank and just getting a loan from the bank? Why on earth would you not want to work with the bank? Well, it, it depends on what your definition of easy is. So I, I think it was John D. Rockefeller. And and don't quote me on this. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. But effectively, he said it's better to control things than to have ownership. Because when you can control things, you can learn how to make money off of that. And so... Uh, going the traditional route has, you know, uh, hoops and everything that you have to jump through and you have to have lots of cash up front and things like that. And even then you're going to be limited. So if you go to a bank and try to get, you can get up to 10 Fannie, Freddie, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans through the bank, but getting up to 10 is really hard. So once you get up to about four loans in your name then the requirements get more and more strict you got to have more and more money down and so it just gets increasingly more difficult as you try and increase that and i don't know about you but i want to hold a lot of real estate i think my number is uh that i'm shooting for is about 100 doors yeah yeah so you're absolutely not going to do that uh from a uh yeah from a traditional banking standpoint and, you know, another another one that comes to mind is, as you know, I, I work a lot with uh, folks who are, you know, immigrants to this country and, you know, come here for the American dream. And sometimes, you know, people, they simply don't have, uh, you know, credit history or they don't have, you know, that type of, of qualification where a bank would say, oh, yeah, we'll lend to you. 
because they maybe they just <laughs> maybe they just immigrated here and now they're like, well, okay, how am I supposed to buy a house? I can't. And so you also have folks who maybe they were in a bankruptcy, right? Folks who maybe had a divorce situation or something where uh, something came along and just trashed their credit where there's no way that they're going to be able to qualify with the bank. So both, you know, on the investing side, as well as on the personal side, as a, you know, just as a homeowner, as, a, as an owner occupant, there are great benefits to being able to use some of these creative strategies to purchase properties or control properties without having to deal with the bank. Absolutely. Um, another big one that, that our listeners here are going to care a lot about, especially if you don't have a W-2 income, you're self-employed. Banks don't really like that a lot. Nope. It's a lot harder to qualify for a loan when you have your own business and you don't have a, a steady W-2 income from some other job, right? And so these strategies can help you get into the business of controlling real estate without going to the bank. Yeah, yeah, there's benefits all the way around. Now there obviously, there is a time and a place for working with bank financing. That is absolutely true. We're not discounting that at all, but these strategies are incredible. And as far as scalability as investors wanting to create that passive income and build out a portfolio, these strategies cannot be beat. So, all right, enough beating around the bush. Let's dive in. <laughs> What's the first one you wanna talk so, about? The first one, now we're gonna talk about a few strategies today, but the first one we're gonna talk about today is lease options. Now, lease options is exactly what it sounds like. You're gonna lease a place, you're also gonna have an option to buy it. Now, you could be on either side of the table on this as well. You could be the seller or you could be the buyer. So the cool thing is, with this strategy is, you are paying an upfront fee to basically lock in a contract on an option to purchase the property. So if you've done any stock investing, it's it's a very similar thing. You have an option to purchase the property anytime within a certain time frame, and you've paid a, a consideration fee for that option, and basically you now have an interest in the property. Now the key here is, if you're gonna do this, especially as a seller, make sure you do it with two separate contracts. Keep your lease separate from your option contract because you don't want to have any possibility of mixing potential ownership just from somebody who's leasing the property if they don't fulfill their end of the bargain. Well, and one thing I think that's important to emphasize on this, because sometimes people are confused, it is an option, not a requirement. <laughs> Correct. You don't right. have to buy it, yeah. but you can. And, and maybe on a future episode, we'll talk about this. Um, Donald Trump, love him or hate him, we're not going to get into the politics of it, but we want to. We'll talk about how he used options to build a hundred million dollar real estate deal. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a very powerful strategy. That now, obviously, if you purchase an option and then you choose not to exercise that option, whatever whatever uh, you know deposit or option fee that you paid, well, <laughs> you're out that money, right? Bye bye. Yeah, goodbye. But. Um, but still, it is you have the option within a specific time period at a pre-specified price to purchase that property. Yep, and you don't get a loan. Real estate doesn't even transfer hands yet. Right. With the option, you can buy it in the future. And it's all about controlling the real estate. You've got access to it, you control it, but you don't own it yet. Um, 
if you are the buyer side of this, make sure you file a memorandum of, a memorandum of interest with the county clerk or recorder because you don't want somebody else coming in and buying the property out from underneath you. Yeah. Yeah. That's very important because otherwise you just threw away your money. <laughs> your option is absolutely yep. worth Protect your interest. Yeah. And, and as always, right. Sometimes some of the topics we talk about on the show are a little bit more legal in nature, I guess. Uh, you know, from where, wherever you are in the country or in the world, consult a local attorney that understands this stuff because we are basing our experience off of the areas in the country where in the U.S. where we have invested that we understand, but everywhere is every jurisdiction is different. So make sure that you consult a local licensed professional just to verify before you do any of this stuff. Um, the, another thing that I really like about leases is sometimes, right. If we, let's say we have a rental property and we're like, okay, we kind of are thinking of selling it. We're not sure, but we got a tenant and the tenant says they're interested in buying it. When you have the tenant or the option E who is living in the property and they feel like in their mind, because they purchased the option, they will feel you typically, oh, this is already my house. And it's because they, they take ownership. It's like, oh, well, I got the option. So now this is mine. Legally, it's not theirs. It's still yours. They haven't exercised that option. But just the fact that they have paid for that option Generally, they will take better care of the property because they now feel in their mind, this is my home. This is not some rental. This is mine. And so there's definitely, you know, as a landlord, can be an extra little bonus there if you're wanting to make sure that you have a good, you know, good tenant. Now, obviously, if they exercise the option, <laughs> you have to sell a property. You're bound by that. <laughs> First but, world problems. You got to go yeah. find another property to do this on. <laughs> I know. But, but that's just a little extra bonus that you can get as a landlord. Yep. Okay, so what are we looking at? What's another strategy that we can do here, Ryan? Well, one of my favorites, favorite, favorite, favorites, seller financing. I absolutely love seller financing. Now, seller financing, with that basically, you you know, you purchase a property, and then whoever the seller is will do what's referred to as uh, you know, seller carry back, seller phone, seller financing, <laughs> seller financing, seller carry. They'll carry back the note. Um, they will be the bank. I mean, there's lots of different ways that people say it. Owner will finance, owner will carry, but basically the seller, they become the bank. So rather than the buyer going and getting a separate qualification with the bank, uh, let's do an example. You're the buyer, I'm the seller. So Levi says, I want to buy the property. I say, awesome. You know what? I will sell it to you for 200,000. Rather than you having to go to the bank, Levi, I will be the bank for you. I will require, we'll say a 5% down payment. So give me 10 grand as a down payment, and then I will finance the other 190 to you over the next 15 years, okay? And so you'll be making principal and interest payments to me. So I'll build out that amortization schedule and do all the proper documentation, everything, of course. But now, instead of me selling that property for 200,000 and in receiving 200,000, in a couple weeks or in a month, depending on the interest rate and the terms, of course, I may be getting 250,000, 300,000, <laughs> 350, right? Like I'll get way more than what the fair market value is for that property because I finance to you. And now you're happy because maybe the position that you're in, you know, for whatever reason, you couldn't qualify with the bank. Now you've got a great, a great house that you're living in with your family. You're happy. I'm happy. 
So seller financing, it, um, you know, it does take longer to receive your money, but you make a heck of a lot more of it. <laughs> and this is a strategy that we have done time and time again. If you can wait, what, what's the expression? All good things come to those who wait. Yep. If you can, if you, if you're in the financial position where you're like, I don't need this money tomorrow and you can stretch it out over time, you, the value because you're carrying the note will exponentially increase. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's huge right there because patience allows you to collect more money over time. Yeah. You know, and what, you, oh, go ahead. you don't even have to own the property once you've sold it in seller financing, for example, the deed transfers to the buyer. Just like they bought it, you're just becoming the bank. So you don't have the headaches of maintenance on the property, you don't have the headaches of any of that but you're still collecting monthly cash flow. And the best part is what happens if, go back to our example, what happens if Levi decides, you know what, I'm gonna stop making my monthly payments to Ryan. What is Ryan going to do <laughs> to Levi's house? What would a bank do to Levi's house if he stopped paying? Foreclose. Exactly. Right, and so, um, you know, that is something that gives you the security, you're secured, and as the, you know, as the bank, you're, you know, you're verifying, obviously, that the taxes are being paid, the property taxes are being paid, you're verifying that the uh, insurance is in place, so you're protected against, you know, fire or loss or anything like that, and it's, yeah, you don't, like you said, Levi, the deed has, the deed transfers to the new owner, so you are not responsible for any of that, any maintenance, repairs, none of that, that's on the owner. You simply hammer the check every month. <laughs> Yeah, and, so uh, yeah. So uh, on the flip side, playing devil's advocate, a lot of people say, well, that's not fair that you could go foreclose on somebody. Well, we're running a business here, right? Our strategy in this business is to collect monthly payments, to collect interest, to provide a service, to allow somebody to purchase a home and to collect that interest for 15 or 30 years or whatever the terms we decide are. Now, if their strategy is to not pay the mortgage, well, we've already decided how that looks before it's ever happened. If you actually look at your loan documents, there is language in there, even from a bank, about foreclosure. Mm -hmm. So the foreclosure, the pre-foreclosure has already happened before you even moved into the house. When you sign the documents, you've given them permission to start that foreclosure process. And so all we're saying is we're protecting our interest because we're putting up a property, we're putting up money in a lot of cases, and we wanna make sure that that investment is protected, and we hope that they pay all of the payments. That's our actual goal. Yeah, and and all of the terms are very clearly specified. I mean, we believe in doing business right, being honest, having integrity, and ensuring that the all the parties involved understand the terms. Look, this is what we expect of you, this is what we're gonna give you in return, you make an agreement. Now, obviously, we understand that things come up. So if there's a situation that comes up, we will work with the buyer, try to figure out a solution. But it's important that, that the terms of the contract and everything clearly defined and clearly protect uh, us and our interests, because once again, this is how we put food on the table. By you bringing that up, Levi, I know this is getting us sidetracked a little bit, but I gotta share That's this okay. real quick. <laughs> this is, I don't, I don't know if you can see that. This is a photo I took. I'm gonna read this to you. But this um, was a property that we walked through just a couple days ago. It was a property we were walking through to see about uh, making an offer on. And uh, the prior owner 
situation with the property was it was now abandoned because the, the prior owner, it was a rental and the tenant went, uh, it was like eight months without paying rent. And the, the landlord was like, I can't handle this. And finally was able to get him evicted. And basically the other guy basically lost the property because <laughs> people tend to think, oh, you own real estate. You must have piles of cash in your, you know, in your house. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of investors that, that are really, you know, kind of bootstrapping it, especially when they're getting started. And so they, uh, the tenant, when they got evicted, they wrote on the, in, in Sharpie marker on the wall, I pray the Lord will make you pay somehow, some way for all your wrongdoings, making us homeless. Lord only knows how many other families you've done this to. Everybody must face judgment day. And um, while I can understand and appreciate the frustration that the tenant felt of being evicted, my immediate comment to my wife, because we were there together walking through the property was, what about the landlord and his family or her family, right? Because they just not only went eight months of incurring a ton of expenses on this property, um, they, they lost the property. How is this going to impact their family? So it's very much a chain reaction. And so I just, I don't know, I just wanted to share that to champion, I guess, and defend our position as investors of guys, <laughs> we're not, uh, you know, we are people, <laughs> we're running businesses and we obviously have expenses and operational overhead. And if, if, if a tenant stops paying, that can really create a domino effect to where we can be in a tough spot and actually lose assets if we don't. Obviously the owner, this owner did not have the proper war chest in place to cover those expenses. That would be a good topic for another yeah. episode is the importance and, of having a war chest. Let's be real on this. Like that landlord, what I believe was actually very generous. The fact that they got to live there for eight months without paying rent. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> that, that was very generous because a good attorney can do a, an eviction in three weeks. Yes. Yeah. So count your blessings. Yeah. If I were the, if that were one of my properties, they would not have been there eight months. I'm sorry. My, my children, <laughs> they need to have food on the table too. So it's, we want to be good and kind to other people, but at the same time, we well, have to watch and, out and for our business. And a lot of it can be solved with a conversation. To Exactly. Like, but if you stop answering phone calls, stop an answering emails, and just bury your head in the sand and pretend the problem is going to go away, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. And the problems compound for you and for the landlord when, when that happens. Well, and, and that's why that's one reason why I really like, you know, some of these these creative strategies with seller financing is because it really opens up that possibility where there is that dialogue. There is that, you know, negotiation where and, and I have had that. I have I have notes and we have quite a few notes that, you know, um, properties that we've sold on seller financing. I've had notes where they haven't been able to make the payment. I just say, let me know. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. And we have, and it works. It's okay. You know, it's like, you know, how late are you going to be? Okay. You know what? Uh, according to the terms of this, there's going to be this late fee. We're going to have to assess this late fee on it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Will you be on time next month? Yes. Okay. We're flexible. <laughs> We're not machines, but, um, so communication, communication is key. Sorry. I got us off on a little bit of a tangent there. It's just it's what you good. said totally reminded me of that. And, uh, so I had to get on my soapbox. <laughs> So um, some other points, let's get back into seller financing, is 
a seller, they may actually have existing financing on the home. And and in this case, it's it's a kind of seller financing, but it's called subject to. So it's subject to the existing mortgage. Love it. And so that's another great strategy that kind of fits in this seller finance umbrella. You got to be ready to make a change because technically the the property transferred ownership and the bank could call the note due and you got to be able to to be ready to move and, and make something happen so that you can keep control of that property if you do a subject to transaction. True. Oh man, that's one of my favorite strategies. I don't know if I ever told you the very first investment property that we bought, we bought using that strategy. We paid $12,000. <laughs> we paid $12,000 and picked up a single family home. It was like a four bed, two bath. Uh, it was a drug house. <laughs> but The meth yeah. house. Yes, the good old meth house. But boy, those are incredible, incredible deals when you know how to, when you know how to buy right and sell too. Another, um, let's talk about another, another strategy. And this is one that uh, I know that is that you're, I mean, that you're passionate about. And we actually recently had a, a great workshop that we did or that we participated in uh, on this topic. And that is contract for deed. Oh, yes. C- contract for deed is, is super, super cool. Contract for deed, the kind of the easiest way to explain it is it's similar in structure to how you buy a car. So like if you buy a car with bank financing, you get the car and you get to drive it and use it, but you don't actually receive the title to the car. When you purchase the car, the bank that financed it, they get, you know, the, the title to the car is mailed to them and then they hold it. And then once you pay off the car loan in full, then the bank will then mail you your your title to your car so you can keep it or sell it or whatever, right? So it is a contract for the deed to mm-hmm. the property. And the same thing, contract for deed, where you've got the, you know, the seller who is carrying the contract or carrying the note, but they still maintain ownership of the property, legal ownership until that contract is paid in full, and then ownership transfers over, transfers over to the buyer. Yep, and, and one of the big things about this is, um, especially if you're gonna buy a property, this, this can give a seller a warm fuzzy. If they were like on the fence about doing seller financing, you can say, okay, what if you kept the ownership of the property and I just still pay you over time? Yeah. Oh, well, okay, that makes me feel better. So that's a great strategy. If you're not getting anywhere in a conversation about seller financing, contract for deed is the next go-to. And as a seller, I will always do contract for deed. I wanna keep the ownership of the property and they can pay me over time. Yeah, it's, and once again, everything, as with all these strategies, you wanna make sure that you're filing the correct uh, documents, notice of interest, memorandums, et cetera, with your local county, county recorder's office. And uh, once again, consult <laughs> local, local licensed professionals to ensure that you're doing this exactly. right. Because boy, you gotta make sure that paperwork and those contracts are done correctly to protect yourself and your interest in the transaction. Well, and, and really to protect both parties. We, we right. want this to be a win-win. And so the contract actually has language stipulating both sides of the transaction mm-hmm. and what the terms are. And a lot of times what happens in the event of something negative. Yeah, if one, or, if one party or more parties breach terms of the contract or they default, what happens then? And yep. that is very, very important. You know, in everything in business and real estate, we always, we hope for the best, but we plan for the worst. And so we want to be positive. We want to be optimistic. But uh, 
like you said, we don't want to stick our head in the sand. <laughs> We've got to be realistic and ensure that everything is structured properly and correctly in order to uh, protect all parties involved in the transaction. Yeah, one of, one of the things that uh, my attorney actually says about this um, is you want to discuss all the ugly things that could happen while you're on good terms so that if something goes that direction, you're not trying to discuss how to get out of it when everybody's angry. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very true. So, so question, Levi. Yes. Why do we why do we care about all this? Why do we care about I don't know. seller financing? Why, why do we care? <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for joining us. This Episode's <laughs> over, guys. Just kidding. All right. So, you know, back to what we said about at the beginning. It's all about controlling the real estate. When you can control it, it's more important than owning it. And, and especially, you know, I, I don't know about other places around the world. Um, I've, I don't live in other places around the world. I live in the United States and specifically Utah. And I understand what the laws are in our state because I've studied them and I've learned so that I can know how to do real estate the right way and protect myself and protect other people as well. Right. But um, I don't know why we have this obsession with owning things. And ownership is, it doesn't mean anything. Great, you have, you have ownership in this thing. Well, what are you doing with it? That's the real important thing. So regardless of whether you own it, what about controlling it in a way that can put money in your pocket as an asset? That's what we're talking about here. That's why we care about these strategies because it's all about controlling that real estate and turning it into a business that can be profitable. And so, yeah. Uh, and we've already talked about this limits on the bank loans um, mm -hmm. affects your scalability. So let's talk about the benefits of each of these strategies. Okay. So first up was lease option, right? Yep. So if you if you were to exercise a lease option, well, let's see. You could uh, you could do a fix and flip, right? Yep. You could flip it. You could do a sandwich lease option which sounds very delicious, <laughs> but a sandwich is basically- Peanut butter jelly or turkey? <laughs> yeah, ooh. The, Not right with the, with the sandwich, oh no, that would. But you could do <laughs> peanut butter and jelly, you could do cranberry sauce and ooh. turkey. Now that works, which is funny, right? Normal jam doesn't work, but I digress. The, um, you know, with a lease option, with sandwich, anytime you do any type of a sandwich seller financing, be it sandwich lease option, sandwich seller financing, um, you're basically taking, you're buying on one side using a, a type of creative acquisition seller financing strategy, doing something to the property and then turning around and selling it using either that exact same seller financing strategy or, a, or an alternative seller financing strategy. So you've bought on seller financing and you've sold on seller financing all effectively at the same time. And that's when we refer to a sandwich lease option or sandwich seller financing is you're stuck in the middle. You're in between. <laughs> so you still have a contract with the old seller, but you also have a contract with the new buyer. So you're the middleman and you're basically profiting off of what you've structured in the deal. So sandwich about the margin. Yeah, exactly. You, you're squeezing out a margin for you as the middleman. And um, I mean, and you necessarily don't even have to make any improvements to the property. Typically you would, but you don't have to. Depending on the situation, you could literally turn around and resell it, um, understanding how to, you know, make it make it more marketable or offer more attractive terms or I mean, whatever. There's a lot of things you can do. You can definitely make 
money, even without even doing anything. We have before, <laughs> without doing anything to the properties, turn around and make money off of them. So, yeah, and and a cool thing is you can even sell the option, right? Because it's paper. It's just like selling a contract. You're just flipping a contract, flipping, wholesaling, that kind of stuff. Um, in a sandwich lease option, if you intend on leasing it, we believe in uh, being completely upfront and open on what's going to happen with the property. So what we would say is work with the, the seller that's going to do a lease option with you to negotiate a master lease that allows you to lease it again to somebody else. Make sure that you have the ability to do what you want to with the property and don't try and do it under the table because you know you can get shut down. Like that whole strategy can get shut down and then you're in a whole world of legal trouble because you entered into a contract with somebody else without per, uh, the ability to even do that. And that that's dangerous territory to be in. You may have the ability to do it, but you don't have the authority to do it. And that's, that's where true. you get yourself into hot water. And another consideration that, that, uh, that yeah, I think is important, if you are in an HOA, particularly if it's mm-hmm. a condo or a townhome or something, but I mean, it also applies to single family homes, but it's more risky if you're in you know some type of multifamily building make sure that what you're wanting to do if you're trying to sandwich things together or if you're trying to you know trying to do a short-term rental with a master lease or something make sure that that's allowed <laughs> you don't want to get yourself stuck with this property where you're thinking okay i've got the strategy it's going to cash flow me a bazillion dollars a month and then after the first month or the first week you know the guy down the hall files a complaint with the hoa because what you're doing is is against the bylaws and the CCNRs of the, of the HOA. You don't want that to happen. Well, and, and I guess to carry that further is just be cautious of HOAs because what could be allowed right now in an HOA can easily change, especially if you put people in there that are, you know, that the neighbors see as bad for the neighborhood. Like if, if they're pissing people off, if they're just not upkeeping the property, that kind of stuff. The HOA rules can change and then you're outside the bylaws again, even though you were good when you started. Levi, I think we should just have a whole episode <laughs> dedicated to HOAs because now that we're talking about it, it's bringing back all these memories of, we had, a, we had this property that we were this close to acquiring in Salt Lake, and like near downtown, it's a pretty hot area and it was a condo. And it was a really good price. And it was, I mean, we're talking motivated seller. This lady had already moved. I think she moved to like Washington. Anyway, she moved out of state and had been gone for like six months. She had already rehabbed the condo. Like it was nice. It was, it was small. It was like a one bed, one bath, little condo. Um, But the price was just killer. And we were looking precisely at doing a, uh, you know, a seller. Well, we were looking at either seller financing or we were just going to buy it cash because um, it was cheap enough. We were just going to pay cash and, and, and pick it up personally financing it. But the thing was, is that we were unable to actually um, uh, to get the HOA to work for us. And in, in doing some investigations, the in this complex, there were like 400 units or something. And it was like 70% of the units were owned by one company. And so in talking with the onsite managers and stuff, they're like, oh yeah, uh, anything that the HOA controls, it's made, the, all the decisions of the HOA are made by one person because that person, their company owns almost all the units here. So 
you're never going to be able to affect any change in the HOA. And if they don't like something, they just make it happen. And so at that point, we said, thank you. And we ran. <laughs> Good for that one company. Bad for you. Yes. So, all right. So why do we care about doing seller financing? Well, this is this can be a way that you can pick up your primary residence. You don't have to go to the bank. You can have, a, it's basically a private mortgage. Cool. You can do fix and flips, which means that you're paying less money on hard money costs if you don't have cash to put down on the house. Um, and then you just go into a slew other, of other opportunities. You know, you can lease it, you can lease option it, you can do multifamily, commercial, um, you can even sandwich sell or finance it. Ryan talked about that. And even if you sell or finance it, you now have the deed to the property. You can turn around and contract for deed it. So you can, you keep the deed and then you're selling it over time. So lots of great options to control and profit from real estate. So, uh, you know, jumping back up to that multifamily and commercial, those are more common options because people are used to running businesses and it's very common in business to do things on seller financing. And so yeah. like somebody that owns a multifamily or commercial property that's going to sell it, they are, they've most likely at least heard about it, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it on single family residential homes. You just have to go through an education process, helping the seller understand what that would mean. Yeah. Now it is, I want to bring this up as well. If you are in the United States and you are looking at doing a volume of seller financing, uh, because of the Dodd-Frank Act, there, um, you know, there were a lot of changes that have come out in the last 10 years. Very true. <laughs> and so if you are seller financing and now don't quote me, I don't remember exactly. I think it's more than two per year or three per year. I mean, it's, it's a very low number if you are seller financing to owner occupants. So this doesn't apply if you're dealing with, you know, if you have like a fourplex that you're gonna seller finance to the new buyer because it's not owner occupant. But there are some specific requirements and regulations where if you do more than a certain number, and like I said, it's like, it's like one or two or three, it's a very low number. You have to abide by all of the same regulations that the banks do because basically they consider you a bank even though you're not a bank. So just be aware of that. Once again, if, if you're looking at doing this in scale, at scale, <laughs> I feel like a broken record, consult your licensed <laughs> professional. You wanna make sure that you're abiding by all the, the rules and laws and maintaining all that as you should be because otherwise you can, uh, yeah, get yourself into some hot water with the regulatory bodies and nobody wants that. All right, well, let's talk about our last one, contract for deed. What are some things that we can do with contract for deed, Ryan? Well, it could be your primary residence. You could do a fix and flip. You could do lease, lease option. You could do, you know, multifamily on contract for deed. You could do commercial building. You could, yeah, I mean, pretty much anything, right? Your seller may be a lot more willing to, to work with you if, if you're a buyer. And then as the seller, obviously there's, there's, you know, explicit advantages for us as the sellers to be dealing contract for deed. The, the bottom line with, with what, with everything that we've kind of looked at today is, and we hope, I hope that we've communicated this to you effectively. The more tools and strategies that you have in your tool belt, the more better prepared you will be <laughs> when a situation presents itself. Because 
you know, round pegs do not fit in square holes. You have to ensure that, and that's why, you know, a lot of times somebody will look at, at, a, at a deal or an opportunity and they'll be like, oh, well, there's nothing here. This is, you know, what are you talking about? But then you get somebody else who comes in that maybe has a little more knowledge, a little bit more experience. And they say, oh man, you're sitting on a gold mine here because, you know, X, Y, Z, all of these things, they simply lack the knowledge of being able to, you know, they're a hammer. And so they see everything as a nail. <laughs> you don't want to be a hammer. You want to be the whole toolbox. And, uh, you know, lease options, seller financing, contract for deed are three of those tools that we have in our, you know, in our, uh, in our toolbox to be able to look at any given deal and say, okay, what could we do here? How could we make money? How could we create a win? And um, so, yeah, get yourself educated and learn <laughs> the different strategies so that you can be more adept at uh, making these transactions work for you. Well, and, and hopefully you guys learn some, some new strategies that you haven't thought of before, because if you can take these and make them work for you, Imagine what you can do in your real estate portfolio. Oh, man. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, if, if you guys want to learn more about this, feel free to reach out to Ryan or myself and we can get you connected with some more details on that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's one way that a lot of people, they get started is first kind of implementing some of these creative strategies on their primary residence, right? Or, you know, with their family. And then, then they're like, oh, well, that was easy. Uh, can I do that again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please go do it again. <laughs> Please go do it again and again and again. Lather, rinse, repeat. Exactly. And keep acquiring. And, uh, but it's all about, you know, it's, you got to have the right mindset. Got to have the right knowledge. You got to have the right relationships. And you got those three things. Got some great opportunities ahead of you. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week, everybody. And uh, just remember that seven-day free, seven-day Champion Hustle Quick Start Boot Camp. Jump onto our website. You can get signed up for that. And next week, we are going to be joined by a special guest talking how to benefit from real estate using short-term rentals. Also known as Airbnb. Airbnb. This is the layman's term. These are powerful, powerful strategies. I can't wait for that. And he's an awesome guest. He's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, he is. <laughs> All right. Have a great week, everybody. Take care, guys. See ya. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Champion Hustle podcast. For more great content and to join our online community, visit us at championhustle.com. Mm-hmm.